0: Well, I hope you're enjoying our concert so far. Uh, We've got some more to come. Uh, If we could have the house lights up, please, now, that would be great. It's lovely to have a mixture of sounds and styles. And, of course, next Sunday evening, we have our very special um, Carols by Candlelight. And, again, it will be repeat performances. You can choose to come to the five or to the seven. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, You might want to turn to Matthew chapter 2. If you don't, that's fine. I'm going to read from it anyway. Matthew chapter 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means least amongst the rulers of Judah. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Now, here in Matthew chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 2, we have the introduction and the credentials of who Jesus is. I won't go through Matthew chapter 1, but at the beginning of Matthew's Gospel, he says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The son of David and the son of Abraham. And then we get a whole historical genealogy tracing Jesus' line right back, not only through David, but also to Abraham, showing him to be the son of God and the Messiah. Later on in chapter 2, Matthew is also establishing the fact that Jesus was born of a virgin. We know that the Lord appeared to Joseph in verse 20 and said, Joseph, son of David, do not fear And so in chapter 1 we see Jesus' line. He's got the credentials of the Messiah, the King, Son of David, Son of Abraham. But also we see that it's established that Mary gave birth as a virgin. And not only that, that therefore Jesus had no earthly father. It was a miracle of conception by the power of the Holy Spirit. Then we come to chapter 2 where I've read the large portion of that. And chapter 2 is interesting because it looks at four prophecies that have been fulfilled to establish the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. And these four prophecies are linked to four locations. So the first one is in verse 9 and it's Bethlehem. You in Bethlehem, the land of Judah, shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd Israel. The second one that I'm going to focus on tonight is out of Egypt I called my son. When Jesus and his parents went into Egypt to hide from Herod and then at the end of the period when it was safe an angel called them back. The third, which I didn't read, was a voice heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentations. Rachel weeping for her children, talking about the time when Herod tried to destroy all the two to three-year-old boys in Bethlehem and the vicinity, hoping to cut down this Messiah. And then the final prophecy fulfilled, the fourth one, is linked also to a location, Nazareth. In verse 23, and he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Now, those of us that are used to Christmases and have had Christmas carol services will recognize those prophecies in Matthew 2. We'll be reading some of them next week, but what a lot of people don't realize is that those prophecies aren't just about being fulfilled in Jesus' life, but Matthew would know that the Jewish people that would read those prophecies would immediately understand that those prophecies had a setting from the Old Testament. That they meant something back in the Old Testament as well as meaning something now in the New Testament. In fact, each one of those four prophecies in Matthew 2, there's a whole sermon behind them. They're like sermon titles, these prophecies. And when you go back to their location by the prophets that prophesied them, you are actually finding out a lot about what Jesus' birth really meant. And so I'm going to focus on uh, the, the prophecy, Out of Egypt I called my son. Which is taken from Hosea chapter 11 and verse 1. Hosea chapter 11 and verse 1. I'm just going to read it in context. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and returning and burning offerings to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ethraim to walk. I took them up by their arms, but they did not know that I had healed them. I led them with cords of kindness and with bands of love. And I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws. And I bent down to them and fed them. So you see this picture of Hosea. Now, who was Hosea? It's important to understand the setting of this prophecy. Hosea was an incredible prophet in the Old Testament. And not only was he incredible in the words that he spoke from the Lord to a generation that were backsliding and had no interest in God. But God didn't just tell Hosea, I want you to speak my word. He said, I want you, Hosea, to experience exactly the things that I'm experiencing. You see, one of the themes of Hosea is that God likens his people and his relationship to his people, he likens it to a marriage. He is the bridegroom and his people Israel are the bride. It's interesting, in the New Testament we also find that Jesus is the bridegroom and his church, made up of all believers, is the bride. Well, this is coming right out of the Old Testament. And God was saying through Hosea that his bride had left him and committed adultery with other gods. And and he said, I want you to experience what I have experienced, Hosea. So famously, Hosea was commanded to marry a woman called Gomer. And he had three children with her, but very soon she abandoned him and went to be a prostitute elsewhere. And he felt the pain. And God was saying, you see, Hosea... What, what you are experiencing is exactly what I'm experiencing. You're a picture of what's going on spiritually with me and my people. And Hosea had three children from Gomer, And their names are important. I'll come back to them. The first was called Jezreel, which means scattered. And the people of Israel had no idea, but they're about to be scattered from their land to Babylon. And then over the world as a judgment for their unfaithfulness to their God, Jezreel scattered, the second was Lo-Ruhamah, Lo-Ruhamah, and this means the one who never knew a father's love, what a sad name that is, Lo-Ruhamah, a one that never knew the father's love, and then the third child that he had with Goma was Lo-Ami, Lo-Ami, which means not my child. And may not have been his. Can you imagine naming a child, not my child? These are terrible names, but you see, it's important that we see what God is trying to communicate through Hosea if we're going to understand the importance of Jesus being said, I called my son out of Egypt. So not only was God distressed at people not wanting to be in relationship with him, But turning to everything else but him as Gomer turned to every other man but Hosea. But also in Hosea we find God likening his people to his children, his offspring. And therefore when we come to Hosea chapter 11 he says, When Israel was a child I loved him and out of Egypt I called my son. Well this is a picture of the nation of Israel, isn't it? Do you remember when Joseph called his brothers and their families and his father, Jacob, into Egypt? They went in as a family, but very soon they became slaves in Egypt. And over 300 years later, this family had turned into a nation that was enslaved. And God came and took that nation and birthed it by bringing it out of Egypt through the mighty deliverance and miracles of Pharaoh and then finally through the Red Sea. And therefore, in Hosea 11, God is reminding the present people of God in Hosea's t- time their relationship with him. He says, when Israel was a child... A young nation. I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. Unfortunately, although a nation was birthed, the nation of Israel, out of Egypt, that nation was very fickle. It was meant to be taken into a wonderful promised land. But if you know the story, they refused to believe or trust God as a nation. And for 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. Now, what does this to do with that verse that we read in Matthew chapter two? Well, it's this. It was so amazing that Jesus would end, back, end up back in Egypt. I mean, think about it. We read the early, earlier prophecy in Matthew chapter two, saying that he would be a shepherd to his people Israel. So how strange it must have been for Joseph and Mary to be told by an angel, you're going to Egypt. Going to Egypt? I thought the whole point was generations and generations ago, we were delivered from Egypt. Why would God bring his son into Israel to rule and reign, and then send him back to the place from which they came? Egypt. It must have been strange, I think, for Joseph and Mary as they as they went and retraced the route from the promised land all the way back to Egypt the way that they'd eventually come out they were jesus was walking backwards going backwards into egypt it must have been strange for them to see the different landmarks of egypt i know that there was a strong jewish community in egypt at the time but still it must have been strange for them to pass the places that the exodus passed, to go through the wilderness, not for 40 years, very short, straight into Egypt, and then to dwell in that place until the time came when we read the prophecy that they were safe now and they could leave Egypt and then eventually return and settle in Nazareth. I think Joseph and Mary must have thought, this is strange, this is the opposite to the promise. How can he be shepherd in Israel when he's sent back to Egypt? And Egypt represented everything negative. He was meant to be the saviour, but they were going hiding, running to Egypt. A, a picture of slavery. A picture of judgment. A picture of disappointment and hopelessness. Back to Egypt. But you know, God knew what he was doing. Because the first time when he brought his first son, the child nation of Israel out. It didn't go as it was intended. But the second time he wasn't going to be bringing a nation out of Egypt. He was going to bring his own divine son, the word made flesh. And when Jesus came out of Egypt and back into Israel, God was saying when Israel was a child I loved him and out of Egypt I called my son the more they were called the more they went away but now God is calling out his son who will be the saviour of Israel from Egypt but he came out in a different way and his family came out in a different way instead of that generation coming out and being unfaithful disobedient and unbelieving that's the story Of the first Israel nation that came out of Egypt. Instead of that, out came a family, not a nation, a family came out of Egypt. Three, three Jewish people Joseph, Mary, and the Son of God. And this time they came out in obedience. In faithfulness and trust. Not like the people of Hosea's time who he was prophesying to. And not like the people of the Exodus time. Joseph had already proved his faithfulness to God. When God said, no, trust me Joseph. Don't divorce Mary. She is with child of the Holy Spirit. And he said, I believe you, I trust you, I'll obey you. Or do what you tell me to do. And they did what he told them to do. They didn't wander around in any wilderness of unbelief. They obeyed the Lord. They trusted the Lord. Mary, you know the story well. When she was told about what God's will was, she says, I don't understand it, but may it be to me as you have spoken it. And so these trusting couple with their young son come out of Egypt just trusting the Lord. And out of that trust and obedience, God was going to save his children, his nation, Israel. And not only Israel was going to be saved, but this was going to be the saviour of the world. God, out of this small family coming out of Egypt, it was going to happen right this time. First of all, it was his son, Israel, the fledgling nation, that did nothing but disobey him. Now he was bringing out of Egypt a family. And out of this family would become a new family, the family of God. A new nation, a nation of believers, not just from Israel, but from every tribe and tongue and nation of the world. What an amazing thing that God was saying. And of course, this son, this son, the Matthew 2 son that came out of Egypt, he was obedient. He took his journey to the cross and he believed God. And trusted God there in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, If there's any way, Father, that I can be relieved of this cup, if there's any way, and what was that cup he was talking about? He was talking about taking and drinking the wrath of God against all the sins of the world. For all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, all of us have a sin issue. No one can approach God. Because God is holy and we are fallen. But Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, he not only could approach God, but he was prepared to drink our judgment down by being crucified. But he was a human being as well as God. And that's why he said, It's there any way, Father? But then he also said this, but not my will, but yours be done. I called my son out of Egypt and This time, it worked. And this time, it was not just a nation born in disobedience, but it was a son that was going to give all nations the opportunity to come to God. And so as we go back to that prophecy in Luke chapter 2, and as I come to a close and we move to the next part of our evening, we realize that that prophecy, and we could do the same with the other prophecies, it was not just some simple, oh yes, he came out of Egypt. Ah, Hosea, that reminds us, 11, I called my son out of Egypt. It was, it's so much richer than that. It's speaking about deliverance. It's speaking about freedom. It's speaking about God's love for us, like a bridegroom for his bride. God's love for us, for children of God. And I don't know where you are tonight, But perhaps some of you are still in Egypt. You say, Egypt? We're in Notting Hill Gate. I'm talking about everything that Egypt represented. Perhaps you're still in the slavery of sin. Have you ever asked God to forgive your sins because of Jesus? If you've never asked that out of your heart, then you are still sin-dominated. And should you die, you'll face judgment. But you're only one prayer away from eternal salvation. Perhaps you've been in Egypt and you don't have a pharaoh over you, but you've got the enemy. You've got addictions. You've got problems that are enslaving you. You're far from God. Maybe you're like Goma to God tonight. You've gone after everything the world offers except the God who made the world. And he's offering you salvation tonight. Maybe it's time for you tonight to say, I want to be a child. God called his son out of Egypt so that he could have many sons and daughters. That was the plan. This was what the prophecy meant, rich in meaning and illustration. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now. We're going to pray before we move on. And this is an opportunity for you to get right with God. That prophecy was once spoken to the people of Hosea. Then it was spoken again about Jesus but tonight this christmas that prophecy could also be spoken to you that tonight you have come out as god's son and daughter you've come out of the egypt of sin and slavery into a new life of forgiveness and relationship with god he'll he'll love you like a wonderful husband he'll care for you like a wonderful father let there be no one called Jezreel tonight that scattered, like a scattered flock, come home to the good shepherd. Let there be no one in this place tonight called lo ru the one who never knew a father's love. I'm talking about God's fatherly love. Let there be no one who walks out this place tonight who is called Lo-Ami, who walks out still not his child. It's your decision, and now's the time to make it. With every head bowed, if you're saying, I want to come out of Egypt, my personal Egypt, into the land of promise, I want to be not scattered, but gathered to him, Jesus. I want to know the Father's love for me, not his judgment. He sent his son that I wouldn't be judged. I I want to know what it is to be a child of God, to call him Abba, Father, Father to have freedom to access his presence and to walk with him and journey with him for the rest of my life. If that's you tonight, if you've never called on the Lord to forgive you and save you, now is your moment, right where you are. Just lift your hand and I'm going to pray a simple prayer over you. And tonight you will go out from Egypt into the land of God's promised kingdom. Lift your hand right now, upstairs and downstairs, and I'll pray for you. I'm only praying for people that lift their hands. You say, why do I lift my hand? Jesus was up in the balcony. Jesus lifted his body on a cross publicly, naked, taking our sin. If you're serious with God, thank you, you just lift your hand to him. Anybody else tonight, this is your opportunity and you may not get another one. Lift your hand. Come to Christ. Get right with God this Christmas. Father, we pray for those that have responded. We thank you tonight that you are calling your sons and daughters out of Egypt. We thank you for the richness of prophecy. We thank you for the Gospels. And we thank you that at Christmas time, we're praising you because it was the little baby that was born, the Son of God, that would make the way on the cross for all mankind, whoever believes, to be saved and reconciled with a God that earnestly loves them. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.